TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features aren't available in all states, but in just the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com. You'll see upfront pricing information and you can lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, everyday True Car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal. Boys and girls, Ty Hildenbrandt here, Dan Rubenstein, right on over there. Solid Verbal at gmail.com. That is the email address. If you see something out there on the streets you'd like to write in, let us know what's on your mind. Also, 408-VERBAL-1. That's 408-837-2251. That is the voicemail line, the reverb line. Call in amid this crazy slate of week six games. Don't forget to look us up on Facebook, on FanCred, and of course, on the Twitter. Dan, how are you? I'm fantastic, Ty. Even though the weather's turning a little bit cold, the skies are gray over New York. I am. I'm doing well. I could not be more excited for a big week of college football and more specifically in the shorter term for tonight's show. Yes, it, I am. I am shot out of a cannon, excited to talk college football, excited to talk, you know, whatever else we're going to talk. I, we can never plan for that. And also very excited for a special guest that you're probably going to have to listen to a lot of the show to get to because it's pretty great. We've got a special guest here, an esteemed guest, someone about which we've spoken yep. quite frequently in recent weeks. We will get to that a little bit later on in the show. But Dan, we've got a lot to cover this evening. Let's get started with uh, some of the news of the weird. Yeah, what do you got? Wow. It yep. is such an insane week of games. Mm hmm. In looking back after however many podcasts we've done, right? This is our seventh season of podcasting. There aren't many other weeks that come to mind, quite frankly, with both the quantity and the quality of games in week six. It's it's right. so much so that it's just borderline weird. And on that note, let's talk about what's going on at Michigan. Because after a few days of hemming and hawing, yeah, Michigan athletic director Dave Brandon. You know, decided it'd be great to take advantage of that rarely used 1250 a.m. news dump <laughs> to confirm that, yes, in fact, Shane Morris, the quarterback, was put back in the game against Minnesota, even after suffering a concussion, Dan. I mean, talk about a courageous move from Brandon, who at this point would appear to be in. Is it fair to say full on CYA mode right now, just trying to keep his job? 
Yeah, it, it appears so. And I think a lot of people and even as as angry as people are regarding Brady Hoke's decision, I think a lot of the anger is directed at Dave Brandon and not just with his handling of this, but his handling of the Michigan Athletic Department as a whole. It just has not been a good financial PR image situation for Michigan since Dave Brandon, even since early on in Dave Brandon's tenure. But as a regard, as it relates to uh, the Shane Morris situation, it's um, it's all pretty troubling that there seems to be such a, a different story between Brady Hoke and Dave Brandon, at least what they're projecting publicly. And I can't see, I I certainly can't see Hoke lasting past this season. No. I think that much is is pretty solidified at this moment. He had a press conference this morning, and when when people were asking him very reasonably worded questions, he goes, "You know, refer refer to the statement. You it's on the statement. It said it in the statement." Like, okay, this is this is not good. So, um, I I would imagine Dave Brandon is on quite the hot seat. It's getting toasty, as you mentioned. He's in CYA mode. Um, that is that is cover your patootie yeah. for the, the family listeners out there. Sure. Cover your, your rear end, your behind, your tush. Um, and uh, really can't see Dave Brandon as the long term solution to spearheading the Michigan athletic department. And it's you know part of it falls on the medical staff and their own communication. But a lot of it is still, you know, if you're at the top of a major football program, you need to know you, what's going you need on. need to know what's going on. And I mean, between yeah. the curious marketing campaign that went astray with Coca-Cola. Yep. And then there was actually a fire Dave Brandon rally by students at Michigan, which right. as Deadspin put it, is actually saying something because most college students could not care less about a rally regarding the athletic director. To get them right. out there chanting down with Dave Brandon is not a small feat. So you would have to assume this signals the end for him. Um, you know, Brady Hoke, we'll see what happens with him in the long term, but it doesn't appear to be a good situation at Michigan. It has now gotten to the level in Ann Arbor where they opened as a one point favorite against Rutgers. Right. The official team of New York City, as we know, obviously the line was immediately bet up and bet down to Rutgers minus three. So now Michigan enters that game on the road, a three point dog. Correct. Um, Devin Gardner was named the starter. Yes, obviously. Um, I I'm going to do everything I can to not watch this game. Ty, <laughs> I'm going to do everything in my power to not watch this game. Uh, anything else stand out to you from a news perspective this week thus far? Uh, Georgia Tech's going to start taking Bitcoin payments for concessions inside the stadium. There's that. I myself am not an investor in Bitcoin <laughs> and that currency. I know but- how it works, but I don't want to do it. Right. I'm afraid. I'm uh, terrified. Wisconsin's, I guess, technically backup quarterback, Joel Stave, said that the yips have been cured and he is, quote, back to normal. And for his sake and I guess the sake of the balance of Wisconsin's offense, I hope that's the case. I sincerely do. Did he say what he did to cure the yips? I because you can get the yips know. in all walks of life, not just football. Right. Oh, yeah. Um it, I'm assuming he worked with sports psychologists. Uh, I really, I haven't, you know, with Wisconsin football and throwing game, I really have not looked. In Major League Two, they gave Rube Baker a uh, Fredericks of Hollywood magazine, and that seemed to do it. That's true. That is true. That's what did it for him. So I'd be curious to know more about uh, Joel Stave and what did the trick for him. There was a report that SMU was, quote, intrigued by Mac Brown. Aren't we all? No. No, we are not, Ty. Um, and I was moving to a, a two quarterback system. 
Iowa's moving to a two-quarterback so system. So you might need to change your underpants. What's the what's the saying that if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got none? You've got none. That yeah. feels appropriate for Iowa football right now. Yes, it does. It very much does. But oh. other than that, it wasn't a huge news week. Um, unless you want to talk about football games, which I very much do. Yes, week six. Damn. Dan, this is the biggest day. Saturday, that is. Biggest day for the state of Mississippi since Elvis did the Milton Berle show back in 1956. Is that, did you, that's research right there, Ty. Yeah, you like that? Milton Berle uh, had a reputation for something. Yes, he did. Do you know what it was, Ty? I do. It was uh, for having a long, long career. Yes. uh, In comedy and show business. It was, it was, it's a hard a hard thing to do to have that long career, but uh, he really uh, he really made it work for himself. Well, we'll see if Ole Miss or Mississippi State can pull out enough to win, Dan. Sure, uh, we will indeed. Which game do you want to start with? I want to start with Oregon at home against Arizona. Oh, the Thursday nighter. I believe it's it's kicking off at two a.m. Eastern. Two a.m. Eastern. Yeah, it's, a, it's the <laughs> Dave Brandon time slot. <laughs> Oh, my God. Like 3 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time. Mm-hmm. So, look, Oregon's a 23-point favorite. Yeah. Thursday night, 1030 Eastern on ESPN, by the way, if you want to watch. Oregon's going to win the football game. It is a late, late game in Autzen. It's a revenge spot for the Ducks because they mm-hmm. lost last year on the road in Tucson. I would not want to bet straight up on Arizona. If you're thinking upset here, I, I don't right. want to be on that side of the bet. Right. For me, the question is whether Arizona can cover a three touchdown spread. And I believe the answer to that is yes, because you've been decidedly eh on Don Pelham's defense at Oregon. Yeah. And if you're picking Oregon to cover here, you're basically saying you trust that defense to hold down a really explosive Arizona offense. So I am basing my pick entirely off the nonverbal signals I've gotten from you. And because you don't seem confident in Oregon's defense, I'm going to go Arizona plus 23. Yeah, the spreads come down a little. It opened at around 25, 25 and a half. Now it's 23 and a half, 24, depending on where you're looking. Here's my my problem with this game. There are things that I'm not super encouraged about when it comes to Oregon this season. Some of it uh, is is in their control. Some of it is not with injuries. But in looking at, I mean, we know about Oregon's offense. When it's clicking, they can put points on 99.3% of the country and like insanely embarrassing points. Um, With regard to Arizona, I searched high and low. There's not a ton to love about Arizona in a big spot on the road. They've got very talented receivers, uh, a a depth at receiver that's pretty much unmatched within the Pac-12. A new Solomon put up big yards in the Cal game, and that's the only uh, Power Five conference team they've played. And their defense was atrocious in that game. They couldn't run the ball against Cal. Cal, yeah, they could not run the ball. A Rich Rod team. You're right. Uh, a new Solomon put up the big yardage, but wasn't all that efficient in that game. Did not play well for two two and a half quarters of that game. That's worrisome to me. The, the amount of time that he's looked confused this season, and he should look confused. He is inexperienced as his first year playing college football, so that's that's acceptable. But him going to a tough Watson Stadium that is worrisome to me. If I had something to point to other than the receivers for Arizona having a a possibly interesting matchup against Oregon's up and down secondary thus far this season, that's that's intriguing, but. 
Arizona's not good on defense, having played nobody really of note offensively. I mean, Cal throws the ball well, yeah. but other than that, it's just I'm going to go Oregon here just because I need I need something from Arizona, and I'm not re- other than the fourth quarter against a. a okay Cal team I'm not seeing it and it's a revenge spot it's at home it's going to be loud it's a Thursday night game it's all eyes from the stadium are going to be on this being a revenge spot it's going to be hectic it's going Arizona is going to be uncomfortable a new Solomon's going to be uncomfortable so if Oregon can generate any pressure on the quarterback much more so than they did against Connor Halliday I expect Oregon to to run away with this one I think Oregon here I'm especially because it's a revenge spot I, I would say 48 to 20 Oregon 48 to so I tell you what let me meet you halfway here because I'm thinking 56 35 somewhere in that range Oregon scores a lot of points I agree pretty much with everything you've said I'm gonna take Arizona backdoor cover okay late touchdown covers that 23 point spread but Oregon wins big nonetheless yeah that's fair and Oregon especially a week off, but both these teams had a week off, but a week off before a revenge spot game. Also, after coming off of a game where they really didn't, other than Mariota, who was fantastic and nearly perfect, did not acquit themselves all that well against Wazoo on the road. So they're looking, obviously, to stay uh, in a high place in people's minds. Let's move on to Saturday. Okay, let's Saturday. <laughs> high noon on ESPN. Mississippi State at home mm-hmm. in Starkville, one and yes. a half point favorite. Yeah. Against Texas AM coming in from out of town. Kudos, by the way, to Verballer Adam on Twitter, who astutely asked whether the Bruce Feldman body blow theory yeah. was in play this week for Texas AM after that game last week against Arkansas, Dan. And you know what? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Adam is a guy who listens and comprehends, Dan. Yes, he is. I can assure you he understands how Clemsonings work. Yeah. And, and all the way. Anyway, showdown of two quarterbacks here who, for me, I am terrified to buy either one of them. I know they have both looked really good. Dak Prescott was outstanding against LSU and, you know, QB Aggies. He's put up <laughs> video game numbers thus far this season. Yep. I'm just not sure which quarterback to buy more of at this point, Dan. Do you have a lean? I have a lean that in terms of being a pure passer, I think Kenny Hill has the ceiling even now, even with Dak Prescott's um, experience that he has over Hill. I'm leaning towards Mississippi State in this game because um, if you can give me the opportunity in a a tight spread game, because I think Texas A&M may have opened his favorites, then it swung to to Mississippi State. So the money's coming in pretty heavily to both sides. If you're going to allow me to bet against a team that won a closely fought, very physical game with a young defense that gave up a number of yards on the ground, albeit Texas A&M did get their defense together in the second half, in a letdown spot, on the road, in a loud place, against uh, a team chock full of experienced upperclassmen who play really well on defense and run the ball extraordinarily well and get this young defense to run the ball against... I will happily give those points for a a team that we think is going to be very good throughout the season playing at a at a location that makes it very difficult for opponents to come into and feel comfortable. So I am feeling good about Mississippi State's ability to run the ball. 
I, I worry a little bit about the depth of secondary as I do about, with just about everybody when you play a team as deep at the receiver position as Texas A&M is. We've seen you know Malcolm Kennedy, Speedy Noyle, Ricky Seals-Jones, all of these people uh, succeeding in different spots in different games. So that's that's a worrisome thing, but there's just so much to like about Mississippi State coming into this game in a much, I would say, less body-blowed place than <laughs> Texas A&M appears to be at this moment. Yeah, and I do think that A&M's a little beat up from that overtime thriller with Arkansas. You can probably make a case that they should have lost that game um, if it weren't for the defense and the way it stood up yeah. Later in the game, Mississippi State, by the way, rolling right now, the second best offense in the nation, according to Football Outsiders. And they've got a much better defense than Arkansas, which I think will bode well for them in this game against AM. and mm-hmm. This game, as far as I'm concerned, is absolutely the test of Mississippi State's pass defense. Yep. I subscribe to the body blow theory. I think A&M is beat up and, and I think they're overrated. So I'm going to go with Mississippi State. I say they win this game impressively behind a performance that puts Dak Prescott officially in the Heisman hunt. Yeah, with how well they they dealt with LSU's defensive line, the offensive line, aside from the stomping, we, yeah. we do not condone stomping. No. Um, but aside from that, that was impressive. And it wasn't just Dak Prescott up the middle. Josh Robinson, the running backs got going consistently against LSU. I was I was a little curious about Dan Mullen and late game calls and yeah. clock management. That was a little bit off to me, but I I think this is a nice spot for Mississippi State unless, you know, feeling the lights, feeling the glares, feeling the eyeballs for the first time really after Dan Mullen winning a huge game, which is a new thing for the Bulldogs. Yes. I think Mississippi State should win this game and I think they should hold Texas A&M's offense down especially if for some reason it seems like Kenny Hill was throwing the ball way down the field against Arkansas and and sort of missing a lot of underneath routes that could have kept drives going uh if if the the communication and the play calling isn't what Texas A&M needs in a in a tough road place I think Mississippi State is in a nice place do you have a score prediction I I don't know maybe like 41 to 31 somewhere yeah. in that range i think i think mississippi state's going to put up a lot of points here they're going to score yeah. more than 40 points i see i'm, I'm thinking like 34 24 something in there okay. I, I think i think texas a&m just has an off week their offense is fantastic and will be fantastic it's just gonna it's the coming off of that arkansas team that's that's time for a letdown all right 12 p.m on abc mm-hmm. the maryland terrapins yeah playing host to Ohio State. The Buckeyes head into town, I believe, around a seven and a half point favorite. This line's been on the board and off the board. So we'll say seven and a half. Dan, there is definitely a moment in time where I would have taken Maryland here. Yeah, you've been very high on the Terps, or at least were before the season. I do think that moment has now passed for me. Wow. I am what, what selling did it for you. Because my... last week was a nice week for Maryland. It was, but I, I'm bored. Are you? I'm so like every box score when I read it. I just hear Ben Stein's voice in my head like that's yeah. Maryland football right now. The, I mean, the problem right now with Maryland, as you look at this game, is CJ Brown's a game time decision. 
that's worrisome because he gives them a dual threat that the other quarterbacks on that roster don't necessarily do. Sure. It was nice that that Maryland getting Indiana in a letdown spot was really able to get the ball to Dion Long and Stefan Diggs. That's huge because you can throw on Ohio State. Gunnar Keel was an, just he wasn't the first. He was another quarterback to throw on this Ohio State defense. And certainly C.J. Brown, a healthy C.J. Brown with the weapons he has can can do damage. Um Maryland's offense, though, at this time has been too up and down. I'm not crazy about the consistency there. I do like Maryland's defense, though, uh, and I think I might like Maryland's defense more than I like Ohio State's. Really? But yeah, at this well, I like Ohio State's front, but their their pass defense has me has me worried. So I'm going to go. You said it was a, a touchdown. I Ohio have seven. State. I have seven and a half here. I don't know what that's going to be at kickoff. Right. So with C.J. Brown there. I could see Maryland cover, covering this game, covering wow. the spread, but I'm I'm going to go with the talent because the two-headed monster of Curtis Samuel, the freshman, and Ezekiel Elliott, I think will pace them well enough to eventually pull away. But I think this is I think it's pretty close. I don't think it's going to be a 2013 Florida State situation where all of a sudden they get exposed. I think Maryland's all right, and I think Ohio State still has some questions because they're so flimsy in the back. So I'm going to say Ohio State wins it. 3827. Wow. Really? Yep. See, I just don't see that at all. Maryland has no identity. Why well, have Oh, you think that Ohio State's going to blow them out? Oh, I think like 4217. Maryland's okay. got no identity and you know, this is what you get when you hire Randy Etzel. I'll I'll 3824. I think a couple 30, touchdowns. Uh, this is what you get when you hire Randy Etzel. This yeah. is the ceiling for Maryland fans. This is it. You know, you've got one player now and it is CJ Brown. He's the entire offense. Mm -hmm. He runs the ball. He throws the ball. He's good at doing it. But heaven forbid, there should be someone else in the running game who could get involved and take some of the pressure off him. I'm just mad because I expected a lot more out of Maryland this season. You know, I, I think when Ohio State comes to town, Maryland essentially gets buried. Ohio State hands the ball to Elliott all day long. JT Barrett's actually been a half decent passer. Right. I think he uses the run to open up the passing game. I think Ohio State's defense sits back and watches QB Maryland, whoever that is, <laughs> hand the ball off to essentially himself. And I think they get blowed out here. Let's say 42 17 Ohio State. I am going to consider locking this one up, but since I don't know what the point spread is, the exact point spread, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it quite yet. Right. Um, you want to hear, I've been working on this. You want to hear my impression of Randy Edsel in a big game, yes. in the middle of a big game Please. against a good team. Do okay, it. here we go. <clears throat> I have to get, you know, centered yeah. and everything. Guys. Got, hello. Is anybody help? Help. I, I, Oh God. Oh, Oh God. Hello, help. That's that's my It'd be great if I could add like an echo chamber effect onto that little bit there. I feel like anything you put your mind to, yeah, you can do. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Get a word from our sponsor and then get into the three-headed monster at 3:30. Because sometimes you need a little fun with your sports. It's not a sports show. This is a me show. The Steve Zavid Show from Yahoo Sports Radio. Sally, how soon before Scott's daughter Instagrams her? Sports talk with fun and frivolity. Are you out of your mind? I'm not talking about a sports show. God, I sound terrible, don't I? Oh, excuse me. Hello and welcome. <clears throat> Take three. Listen to the Steve Zavid Podcast on Podcast One. Just search Zavid. C-Z-A-B-A-N. I got carried away. I'm very sorry. 
All right, Dan, tonight's show brought to you by FanDuel.com. Yeah. FanDuel.com. What if I told you you can reset your team every week and play fantasy football for real money? I would say you are crazy for this one, Ty. You can do it all on FanDuel.com. It's weekly, so whatever happened last week is in the past. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. All sorts of stories. You've seen them. We've talked about them. I'm looking at one here. Chris Prince from Detroit. He's a fantasy football player. He's now won over. How is this possible? $656,000 playing fantasy sports at FanDuel. Could you find something to do with $656,000? We could buy all the microphones. We could buy all of the microphones. And all the podcasts on iTunes, for sure. What would you do right now with $656,000 that you could potentially, potentially win from FanDuel.com? Clearly, I would buy a $656,000 car. Yes, obviously. I'd make the wise investment. Yes. And go with the car. Uh, You can get that kind of money from FanDuel.com. It is the leader in one week fantasy football leagues. It's all for real money. You get immediate cash payouts. The money is real and entry fees start at just one buck. No season long commitments or upfront fees. Go to FanDuel.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right hand corner. Use our code VERBAL when you sign up. It's a new user special that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. FanDuel is going to match your first deposit dollar up to 200 bucks, 200 free dollars, staring you right in the grill, Daniel. That's not bad. Not I a bad like deal at all. I could do a lot of things with 400 tacos. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use oh, the code VERBAL. Up. Yeah, don't forget to use the code VERBAL. We, you could probably do pretty well housewise for 656K in Eastern PA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I probably could not hear. <laughs> we should do a, a side-by-side of the king you could live like in Eastern PA and the just awful studio in East Harlem that 656,000 would buy you. That's about right, man. Well, oh, what am I doing with my life? I am throwing so much money away. FanDuel.com. F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Yeah. Promo code verbal. Check it out. You can get up to 200 free bucks. Let's move on, shall we? Let's. The three-headed monster. Monster. It's at 3.30. Let's start on CBS. Alabama. A six-point road favorite against Ole Miss, Dan. This is the biggest game in the history of Ole Miss football. Yep. I don't know the full history of Ole Miss football, so I'm going out on a limb and saying this is the biggest game in the history of the program. Well, I would say any random Houston nut game is right there as well. But yes, I would agree. Um, I myself, I'm, v- I'm a very patient person, which is why I'm still waiting for Ole Miss to score a point from last year's game. That's right. <laughs> I'm still waiting. That was not the best. Um, my, my, my initial takeaways from this game are basically all revolving around the fact that I'd love for Mississippi state or Mississippi, excuse me. Sorry guys for Ole Miss to have an offense. I would love for that to be the case. I'd love for Bo Wallace to show more than like a quarter and a half of consistent play. Dr. Bo. Yep. So I really like Alabama here and I really like Ole Miss's defense, but I need two sides of the ball almost they can't run the ball consistently at all Bo Wallace is still too sloppy with it love Laquan Treadwell not crazy about the offensive line in particular getting a push and if you are struggling to get a push against Memphis I have really bad news to get about Alabama yeah I have I have terrible news you should sit down I will pour you some iced tea I will make sure the temperature in the room is okay because Ashawn Robinson is a bad man 
He is a bad, bad man. Um, I, I like Alabama big. I think if Alabama can make this into a slugfest with Derrick Henry, TJ Eldon, Kenyon Drake, Fowler, all these guys, and then go over the top. And obviously Ole Miss is going to pay a ton of attention. Their secondary is maybe more talented and more and just scarier than any secondary in the country. But Alabama has options. If you cover Amari Cooper, they have Christian Jones, they have DeAndre, they have all of these people that can make you miserable. OJ Howard. So I, I like Alabama to eventually pull away in probably more impressive fashion than what they did against Florida. I don't think that's as a high scoring. They're not going to score 40 on this Ole Miss defense. I think Alabama takes it 24 to 13. Okay. And it's, and it doesn't even feel that close. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree with you in that the onus for this game's on Bo Wallace. Yeah. It, it's completely on Bo Wallace. And the O is on Bo. That's right. If you believe that Alabama can make Ole Miss one dimensional and take away the run, by the way, Ole Miss isn't a great running team as is. No. If you believe that they can make Ole Miss completely one dimensional, then this game absolutely comes down to Dr. Bo not getting flustered on third and nine. And that hasn't always been his strong suit. He turns the ball right. over a lot, he forces passes. Alabama has a tendency to win games like this without it seeming like they're really working hard for it. And that's because they're really good at letting you beat yourself. So that is the risk for Ole Miss here. And it just, it bothers me that I can't pick Ole Miss. All week long, I looked for a reason to pick Ole Miss here. Right. And I just haven't been able to do it. They've got my boy Laquanasaurus Treadwell, Dan. You know, it's going to be a true. challenge for Alabama to cover him because he's a big guy out wide. But and they've had their own secondary struggles too, Alabama. Sure. Oh, yeah, we saw that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what? to what end can Ole Miss and the defense stand up to Alabama? We hear a lot about the Ole Miss defense, but mm-hmm. Saban's got an incredible stable of running backs this year, and you just can't look past the fact that Blake Sims turned in a really good showing against the Florida defense that, maybe isn't as good as Ole Miss, but is certainly average. I feel like just just with respect to equal time, even though, and I don't think Florida's defense just didn't look good. They turned over Alabama a couple times, but Florida's defense wasn't great. For equal time purposes, we need to, we should point out, I feel like it's our responsibility to point out, Lane Kiffin mm. against a very angry, very fast secondary on the road. Florida was yeah. at home. On yep. the road, Lane Kiffin, and not that Oxford is all that hostile, but, or at least with football, um, it is a, a a big, oversized double XL shirt asterisk that yep. we need to put out there. Well, <sighs> you know, this is a difficult call for me because my brain says Bama, my heart says Ole Miss because they're my college football kryptonite. Right. I will be rooting for Ole Miss, but I tend to agree with you. I. I think Bama's got too much balance. I think they win big. I think surest like, thing in college football pick and tie. Yeah, thirty four seventeen, somewhere in that range. Wow. Bama wins, but I hope they prove me wrong. Okay. I just hope it's a good game. Either way, I hope it's a good yeah, game. I agree. For the majority of the time, I agree. All right, the second of the three headed monster. Monster. Three thirty on NBC. Never heard of it. Notre Dame, a two and huh? a half point home dog. 
Yes. Against the Stanford Cardinal coming to town. They also opened as favorites, I believe. Notre Dame opened as like a one-point favorite. It bounced between Notre Dame being the favorite and then the pick mm-hmm. and very gradually it's now going up to Stanford two and a half when I checked it this morning. So look, here, here's the deal, okay? I, I know our listeners are smart enough to listen to my analysis here. <laughs> right. And my official pick and read between the lines. Mm-hmm. I'm instructing you all to read between the lines because Notre Dame is subtext. Notre Dame is currently undefeated Mm. in all of the games where we've previewed Notre Dame. I have picked against the Irish. Right. Let me just throw that out there. All right. Let's throw that out there for what it's worth. Stanford, again, two and a half point road favorite. If there is one thing that's uniquely solid verbal, it's that you and I always disagree on Stanford. You overrate Stanford in my eyes and I underrate them in yours. True. I like Stanford this season. I think they've got a fine team, but I think the offense is lousy and that concerns me in a road game against Notre Dame. I think that's totally warranted. That's why the spread has gone back and forth with tiny little points. Um, It's here's my problem right here is I think Stanford can still win in more ways than Notre Dame can. Okay. I think Notre Dame is building a very impressive roster of receiving options. We saw Will Fuller last week against Syracuse. Everett Golson mostly looks better than he was when we last saw him. I'm not positive how good Notre Dame is because the body blow theory of their September is Rice, Michigan, Purdue, and Syracuse. Fair point. Fair point. I don't know which of those teams you think is a good indicator for how good Notre Dame is, especially... I'm not crazy about Syracuse this season. I mean, Terrell Hunt's a good runner. And for Everett Golson to throw two picks and fumble it twice, and granted he only lost one of those fumbles, that won't fly against a Stanford team that's happy to sit on a 13-10 lead. They are thrilled to do so. And I think as much as Stanford has struggled in the red zone, I there's there's that much to like about their defense and how much they've shut everybody down. And they've played USC. They've played Washington. They've made both of those offenses look extremely pedestrian. So their secondary, which I feel like does not get nearly the credit they deserve, will be a a big hindrance to Notre Dame. And I don't think that Everett Golson is going to be able to consistently throw the ball with the success that he's had against these other teams earlier in the month. But that said, it's a very fair point about Notre Dame's defense really starting to look very good. And Stanford has struggled struggled to run the ball. Sure. Much in the same way that Notre Dame has. I feel better right now about Stanford winning ugly than I do about Notre Dame winning ugly. Just because of how much more proven Stanford's defense appears to be at the moment from what we've seen earlier this month. Ever Golson looked fantastic. I two picks and two intercept two picks and two fumbles against Syracuse, though. Not for me. Not for me. Still a green offensive line for Notre Dame. That should also be mentioned. They, they've they've sure. shown a little bit of discipline issues. Uh, they've shown a little bit in the way of discipline issues early on penalties. Um, they I I would hope that they are gelled by now against inferior competition. Can't you make the same point, though, for Stanford? You can. We, we can't pretend that Washington is this offensive juggernaut, Dan. I, I know they are. A pedestrian no, looking can't. offense against Stanford, but right. they've been pedestrian against other teams as well, not named Stanford. I'm I'm positive though that Washington's offense is is significantly more talented than anybody that Notre Dame has seen. 
not maybe executing, not maybe cohesive, but in terms of individual players and that individual players that Stanford had to tackle in the open field, John Ross, Jaden Mickens, all of these guys, I, I feel better case. All I feel better about Stanford as a proven commodity defensively than I do about anything involved with Notre Dame. Doesn't mean Notre Dame can't, can win, can't win. It's just the proven factor at this moment to me is Stanford. Well, it's, it's a uniquely solid verbal thing. You like yes, Stanford and I always under, underrate Stanford. I, I just so we do have one premium sandwich right now on the line, right? This is correct. What is, what was that over? Um, <laughs> gosh, we're I forget. so old. We, we have, we have a memory. Life what was the bet again? Days. I have no idea. I have no I think recollection. It wasn't the bet on something else. The bet was on Arkansas. I thought. Was it on last week's Arkansas game? It's on how many conference games oh, Arkansas wins. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, so I have the over, you have the under. You're getting your reds confused here. Sure. Okay, so that's a that's a season-long thing. So, do you want to bet this game? Well, let me, let me, let me you know, work my way through this here. Because I'm, right. I'm not done yet. I, right. I do disagree with you on Stanford. I think Stanford is a power rushing team that thus far hasn't been much of a power rushing team. I and totally agree. If they can figure out how that that's a disadvantage for Notre Dame, because I think they're still soft in the middle of their defense, still trying to figure it out. You're, you're right to say that they haven't faced premium competition yet. They've had some uh, name brand teams like Michigan on the schedule. However, Michigan's been Michigan this year, and that's not exactly a feather right in the cap i need to see stanford rush the ball with more consistency there before i feel truly confident picking them and to your point this game's going to tell us a lot about how notre dame's going to fare moving forward mm-hmm. Everett golson's probably going to be the best player on the field and he has developed a rapport with will fuller and Corey robinson yep and we know the defense is faster than ever but what can they do against a team like Stanford. By the way, Stanford, the best defense in the nation, according to Football Outsiders. I feel very confident in the under for this game, whatever it is. Oh, it's like six. It's got to be six. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel way more confident in Notre Dame's ability to win this football game. So I like Notre Dame. I like Mr. Notre confident. Dame's weapons more. But, you know, just because they haven't ah, played anybody. Yeah. Stanford wins this football game. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. 24 to 21 here. I'm going Stanford. Make the pick, Ty. 24-21 Stanford. It feels like the natural thing to do. Enough of this reverse jinx. Take the pick. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. Wow. Can't sway you. All right. Fair enough. Then we're both going to be right. 3.30 Eastern on Fox. Where all the... Is the fun still on Fox? Hun. Yes. Oklahoma, five-point road favorite at TCU. Not a stretch to say that this is the best regular season defense Oklahoma is going to see all year. Uh, it depends on what we see from Baylor. But yeah, I think at this point, especially where's the Oklahoma Baylor game? Where are they playing that game? I believe that game is in Oklahoma. That's in Norman. Okay, so fair. TCU's defense on the road. Not a stretch. Uh, Not a stretch to say that. Fair. Second in the nation in yards allowed per attempt. Yep. And third in the nation in yards allowed per rush. Yeah. They're good against the run and the pass. Mm -hmm. This game has been close in each of the last two years. I think it's going to be another war, Dan. I talked to my man, Alan Kenny from blatanthomerism.com. I did send a text to Jim Ross to get his input on this game. Did not hear back. Okay. Well, just saying. He's having all that fun at Fox. 
Alan Kenny from blatanthomerism.com. He is my guy for all things Oklahoma. He's concerned yeah. with how Oklahoma covers TCU's air raid. And I got to say, he's probably got a point. I'm not certain TCU can find the offense when it needs to to win this football game. Right. But I think they can muddy it up enough with their defense. I think they can make a special teams play. I think the story of Trevon Boykin and his renaissance as a passer this year has been really intriguing to follow. I just, uh, I don't know. I'm really on the fence here. I think Oklahoma is going to score points too. I, I really like Oklahoma right about now. They feel like one of the only teams we can trust. So I think Oklahoma yeah. goes on the road and wins this game. Wow. But uh, it's close. It's close. Let's say Trevor Knight's legs win a close one for Oklahoma here. 28, 27. I, so you, you are taking the points. I'm taking the points here. I'm going to go TCU. Um, I'm going to take TCU as well. I, I go back and forth if, if I like them outright. I think it's going to be very close. Gary Patterson, since joining the uh, the Big 12, has had this TCU very close to beating Oklahoma, even last yeah. year when TCU was actually good last year. They just lost close games, and they had bad injury luck. This season, they've been rolling. You know, you're not crazy about TCU's level of competition thus far, but they are doing what they should do against far lesser competition. Trevon Boykin and Sonny Cumbie have been a very good combination together thus far. Really like the experience and depth that that TCU has built on offense, and they're getting. And it's at a certain point, you can just start counting on Gary Patterson's four two five. They lose they lose guys in the secondary from last year. Obviously, they just have a wealth of defensive backs at, at defensive backs at TCU. I think TCU is built for a team like Oklahoma. If you're going to give me all things equal, most likely on defense um, and Oklahoma has the quarterback advantage, but TCU has probably the, the overall, I, I it's, it's probably a draw in terms of offensive skill talent, just because I like the receiver so much. Listen, being gray, I'm going to take those points. You give me a good defense at home as underdogs, like a very, very, very good defense, which TCU has that ceiling. I'm going to take them. I think Oklahoma finds a way much in the way you do, but I would not be surprised. And as much as I like Oklahoma to see TCU in an emotional game at a uh, Amon G Carter, the car wash as Dan Rubenstein says, yeah. um, I, I like, let's say uh, Oklahoma 24, 21. Let's go to the nightcap, Dan. Let's. 7 p.m. on ESPN, Auburn at home. It's Big Cat Week in Auburn, Dan. <laughs> yes, it is. Tiger Week. Two streaks of tigers meet in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Did you know that groups of tigers are called streaks? Is that true? Is that really? I looked it up on Wikipedia. Do you know? So are you good with your animal groupings? Um, Not as good as I'd like to believe. Do you know what crows are? Oh, God. A flock? This is a great one. No, that's a murder of crows. A murder of crows. Oh, you know it what? I did hear that once. Yeah. There's, there's some good ones. I'm trying to, do you have a fate? I'm trying to think. Did we, did we do this during the trivia of, with Stu and Nicole? I believe we did at some point. Yeah. It is a murder of raven. A murder of crows, excuse me. There's a, what is, what is a group of sharks called? That one's pretty good, too. Um, it's not a pod. No, it's a. Um, not a school of fish. No, it's a uh, a group of shark is called a uh, you can call it a school, but you could also call it a shiver Ooh. or a shoal. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Daddy like. Sorry, I'll that never was, say that, that again. Was weird. 7 p.m. I, I made it weird. 
That did make it weird. Uh, yeah. Chris the Cappers got a lock for us here on this game. Let's have a listen. For this week, let's take LSU plus eight at Auburn. Uh, this line seems just a bit inflated to me. Uh, while LSU lost at home a couple weeks ago to Mississippi State, still think this is a pretty decent top 15, top 20 team with a pretty good defense. Uh, Auburn, while a good team, I'm not sure is in the discussion for nationally elite just yet. And I have major questions to see if their quarterback can throw the ball with any consistency. Remember, LSU held Auburn to 21 points last year and should be able to keep the ground game somewhat in check. If that happens, I'm wondering if Marshall can beat the Tigers LSU through the air, uh, and I'm not so sure. Um, LSU is also 3-0 and straight up the last three years against Auburn. Uh, we'll take Auburn to win a squeaker. However, an LSU outright win is not going to surprise me at all. So let's take Auburn to win this one, 28-27. 28-27, all right. Wow. A quick history lesson. We're not going to talk about Tiger schools or groups, I promise. Streaks. LSU, the only team to beat Auburn last year outside Florida State, in case you mm-hmm. forgot, that loss was in late September before Auburn really hit its stride. But LSU thumped them. They beat them by 14 points. And obviously, what happened beyond that is history. Auburn went on an incredible run, found its way to the national championship game. Yeah. I am not as confident about Auburn this year, especially after watching that Kansas State game. Sure, on the road in a tough place on Thursday, but yes. I I just don't buy, as Chris mentioned, this renaissance of Nick Marshall as a passing threat. But with that said, Auburn can still run the ball. And I am very skittish about siding with LSU and its run defense right about now. You know, Chris mentioned LSU's defense. He sort of likes LSU's defense. I I don't know, man. What what about you? I saw the Wisconsin game and Melvin Gordon didn't seem to have much trouble running. A different running style. That's much more of a traditional pro style power. But yes. And then we saw a different kind of running game. Yes. A couple weeks ago against Mississippi State where. LSU looked about as bad defensively as they had at any point since I think we started doing this podcast. My first hunch in this game was to go Auburn just because despite all the hype about Brandon Harris, Mm -hmm. he is still the new starting quarterback for LSU on the road at night in Jordan Hare. That's a big deal. Yeah. If he can get things going, it changes the complexion of this game. But I think I still trust in Gus, as our friend Clay Travis puts it. I'm going to say Auburn wins this game, barely covers that spread. They win something like, um, let's say, 28-17. Oh, so you, they do cover the spread. They cover the spread, yeah. So you say you you trust Gus. I'm going to say don't mess with less. Hmm. So I disagree. I think LSU covers. I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be back and forth. I think it's going to be very physical. I, I just can't see LSU with how well they've recruited and how much success they've had. And the fact that LSU essentially had a week off last, I think they had New Mexico state um, and they blew them out of the water. I just can't see LSU and less miles being blown out two straight big games. Nah. One. I mean, obviously it's meaningful that M- that Mississippi state was able to do it in Baton Rouge, but LSU going on the road. I think they will. I think they will make the necessary adjustments. I think with Brandon Harris getting a couple weeks to prepare for this game, getting the, the the reps against New Mexico State. Jordan Hare is a very difficult place to play, but I think LSU is seasoned enough at certain spots. At least they're talented enough at the rest. I'll be young. 
I think LSU makes a game of this. I think they stay close. I think Auburn ultimately wins. I'm going to say Auburn 28. I'm going to say 28-24 Auburn Tigers. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I don't think Auburn scores like I just, 50 L- points against just, LSU. Just Chavis and, and Les Miles. Yeah. Disappointing two straight weeks against SEC teams, be it very good ones. Doesn't seem likely, it, right? It doesn't seem like no. a thing. No, no. And by the way, you could side with Auburn here in terms of the point spread. And all of the things you said could still be true. I think LSU, I think LSU is going to fight Auburn here. I don't think this is a runaway train. Right. I do think Auburn is able to pull away enough late to cover seven and a half. But I like 28-17 somewhere in that range. Fair enough. Not right. unreasonable. No. Let's move on. 730 on Fox. USC at home and 11 and a half point favorite against ASU. Mm-hmm. Will Taylor Kelly play? Todd Graham says his status right now is, quote, pretty questionable, which, by the way, could also be Todd Graham's job status with (laughs) Michigan and Florida potentially on the market later this year. I don't I can't imagine he's going to either one of those places, but you never know. I I would say less likely to go to Michigan than to go to Florida. You know, there is a chance for redemption here for both teams because USC lost this game last year. It is ultimately what led to Lane Kiffin getting yanked they off the team bus. They didn't just lose. Yeah. yeah they, they got smoked. They got shellacked. This was an embarrassment. Yeah. Lane Kiffin got yanked off the bus and they left him for dead. And then on the other side, you got ASU who got drilled mm-hmm. last week at home by UCLA. You've got to believe they're looking for some kind of redemption here. I, I like USC. I think DJ Foster has a really nice game for ASU. And I think they hang around for a while, but. Ultimately, Cody Kessler, Nelson Aguilar, a big game here for both those guys. I don't think ASU can stop the passing game in L.A. So give me USC comfortably like big, a lot of points, 52-31. Ty, lock up the Trojans for me. Lock of the week. You're, you're liking the cut of my jib here, Dan. I'm liking the cut of your jib. I think I don't think USC gives up 31 points to Arizona State because it's either going to be Mike Berkovici or it's going to be a very hobbled Taylor Kelly on the road. I like Arizona State offensive skill talent, albeit inconsistent skill talent with DJ Foster and Jalen Strong. Totally hate the Arizona State defense in this spot, especially as USC's defense, albeit young, is rounding into shape. Sua Cravens, who is far beyond just a person with a name that sounds like the sound of a conch. Yeah. Sua. Uh, Adore Jackson starting at corner. There's too much talent on the field for USC at home. I think I think the Trojans win this one 41 to 17. Yeah, I like them big, too. I like them big. You're locking it up. I haven't figured out my lock yet. Okay, fair enough. You'll could, get there. Could be this next game. I'm not sure yet. Okay. 8 p.m. ABC, Michigan State, seven and a half point favorite, Nebraska coming to town. A lot of hype around Nebraska right now. Undefeated, mm-hmm. perhaps the class of the Big Ten. My hunch is that we'll find out what they're made of in this game. Now, keep this in mind. Michigan State lost to Oregon, your boys. I've never heard of them. Very early on this season. Yeah. On that dark weekend for the Big Ten, remember? Yes. Everybody has forgotten about Michigan State since then. They've gotten no play at all in the national media, in part because they're not playing anybody. 
Yeah, you have. If you're going to lose to somebody on a huge stage, you got to beat somebody on a big stage. I get it. I understand why people aren't talking about this is that large stage. This is the large stage. This is a good football team. They haven't played anyone else of real merit, but they have annihilated everyone they've played since Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Michigan State is far and away the best team in the Big Ten right now. As do I. I don't think this team has given up on making the college football playoff either. I'm not saying it's likely, Dan. Oh, I don't think I don't I don't think they're out of it. But I think if state goes out there, if they throttle everyone on the schedule. Yep. And if things get weird as they are want to do in college football. Yes. You, you just never know. Pat Narduzzi is the man. He loads the box here. He forces Tommy Armstrong to beat them through the air. And I don't think he's good enough to do it. I think that's the name of this game. I, I like Michigan State a lot. I think they run the ball to set up big plays through the air. The defense takes away Amir Abdullah, forces Tommy Armstrong to throw the ball. I like Michigan State to win this one pretty big, like 38-17 big. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, Michigan State, as good as Connor Cook is and has deservedly gotten a lot of credit and attention, Michigan State's a running team. And part of that is the fact that in all of their games, other than the Oregon game, they've built big leads and they haven't thrown it a ton. But Michigan State is very happy to, to make this a, a slugfest. Uh, and make this a physical game against Nebraska. Nebraska defensive front that has looked very, very good thus far. Uh, and the the big thing on, is going to be on third downs. Nebraska is actually very good on third downs offensively. And Michigan State is understandably and predictably very good defending third downs. So yeah. I think that's going to be enormous because that's where Tommy Armstrong either shines or fades away. Nebraska, there's a very good argument to be made that as good as members of the Michigan State defense are and as nice as Connor Cook has been, Nebraska could have not even one but perhaps the two best players on the field in Amir Abdullah who wants who makes me want to be a better man and on the defensive side of the ball Randy Gregory who perhaps could be the first defensive lineman or defensive end taken in the NFL draft next that's true. year that's true so in terms of individual talent there there is a lot to like about Nebraska they have been a little bit beat up early on in the season and that's never a good thing going against a team that will happily do more to beat you up like Michigan State is happy to do I think Michigan State wins this game by 13. I don't think it's a blowout. I think Nebraska has moments, but ultimately I think Michigan State is too good. We'll call it 34 to 23. I think Michigan State wins it. Okay. 10:30 the late late game on ESPN. UCLA at home, 13 yeah. point favorite against the Utah Utes stand. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm talking about Utah. I'm joking. Sorry. Continue. I looked at this game pretty closely. <laughs> yeah. I was blindly going to go with UCLA here because they looked really good last week. Yeah. They were my lock last week. I wholeheartedly believe that UCLA has now turned a corner. Yeah. But. But Dan. Could be there. There is a lot of potential to overreacting to both of these teams last week. But. Hit me with that big old butt. It's a trap. It's a trap. Big road win last week on a Thursday night over mm-hmm. a ranked Arizona State team. Yep. And next week, a monster game at home against Oregon. Mm-hmm. This week, eh, Utah? What are we talking about? Utah? Yeah, they, they barely beat Michigan. In the words of that judge in My Cousin Vinny, Man, what the hell's a Ute anyway? Utes. 
This is a little Utah let down look ahead sandwich if I've ever seen one. Oh, yeah. Speaking of sandwiches in a million years. I got to go Utah here. Otherwise, I'm a hypocrite because I always believe in the trap game, mm-hmm. especially this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I love me some let down look ahead sandwich. True. The situation is ripe for Utah to keep this one within 13 points. I agree. Yeah. I think I, I like what Utah has been doing on offense. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of what their offense did after uh, choking away the, the Washington state game, but that was more, that was more on the defense. And I don't think UCLA, especially through the air is going to put nearly the stress that Washington state is able to do. No. And And by the way, I not to interrupt, but Utah had one of their own letdown look aheads last week. Absolutely. You know, cause they inexplicably lose at home to Washington state. Mm -hmm. And the only explanation I could find in looking over the numbers is that they were still riding high from that Michigan win. Right. It's still a big win over a name brand program, even though Michigan stinks. I think they were let down. That's why they lost to Washington State. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the case. I feel like I'm I'm still feeling good about, I feel like I'm still feeling yeah. uh, good about Utah. I think they keep this close. It's going to be one of those late night. We, we talk about like the Thursday craziness, that late night ESPN game, that late night Pac-12 game on Fox Sports 1. They'll have all the fun. I'm going to say, uh, do you like Utah outright? No, no, God, okay. no. no. Just make sure. Let's not, let's not get crazy here, Dan. Uh, 34-30 UCLA. Okay. Yeah, I I think this is one of those games you wake up the next day, see the score, you wonder what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. UCLA 28-20. Okay. Low a little lower scoring than I like. Yeah. 28-20, somewhere in Fair. that range. I, I do truly believe UCLA's figured itself out. But I, I think they've got to be looking ahead to Oregon. And, you know, Utah's defense isn't horrible. They're gonna be able to get some pressure on Brett Hundley. Maybe not as much as like Virginia, but they're right. going to be able to get some pressure on him and make him make decisions. So I hope they make him make decisions. Well, you know, in a little bit more duress than perhaps yes. he's seen in recent weeks. That Fair. does it. Those are 10 games. That's not bad for all you all. Are there any other games on your radar? There are always games on my radar, Tyler. Um, there are actually some nice games between uh, between non-ranked schools this year, this week. That if I mean, there's so many really good games that it's it's going to be difficult to keep track of so many of these games. But sure. if you were to look at these games, Virginia Tech, North Carolina should have all of the points and all of the turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't watch it for very long. NC State Clemson, two young quarterbacks that I'm I'm very curious about Deshaun Watson in the long term. He has looked very good since and even in the Florida State game, he looked mostly very good. Miami, Georgia Tech, all of the points, all of the points will be happening. Would have been more intrigued about. I'm just looking at ACC, obviously, right now. Pitt and Virginia had Pitt not lost to Akron. Yeah, it was bad. Akron, not the best. Um, I kind of like Virginia. Is it Virginia? Against it is, it is Virginia, yes. I kind of like Virginia a lot there. Minus three and a half. I'm leaning Pitt. that direction. Yeah, I kind of like that one. I haven't decided on the lock yet or locks, but um, I kind of like Virginia a lot there. Over under 47 and a half points that Baylor scores at Texas at DKR. Oh, 47 and a half Baylor mm-hmm. points? Yeah. I go over. Yeah, I'm going over as well. I think that one gets real ugly real quick. Um, Charlie Weissless, Kansas going to West Virginia. Ooh, yuck. Ooh, yuck. I'm uh, skeeving um, out over here, Dan. I'm shaking. Yeah. 
it's not not the greatest. Uh, an interest here's an interesting one. Northwestern hosting Wisconsin, 17th ranked Wisconsin, who I think we we kind of agree is secretly below average. Uh, let me point something else out about this game. Continue. Yeah. Go ahead. Say what you got to say. I got something for you. Well, I'm here. just saying Northwestern made a, a, I think, a pretty good Penn State team look pretty silly in, in state college. Northwestern at home against Wisconsin. I think they can ugly this game up. So listen here. I would take those points. We have a gentleman named Taylor who emails mm-hmm. us every week. I've named him our chief cats correspondent. Yeah. And you know, I've gone with this little, this little gig here. Like, Hey, go, go and see cats. Yeah. Yeah. There's no games going on till later. Go and see cats. We literally have wild cats to talk about. I don't always use that smarmy voice, but I, I make the joke <laughs> about going to see cats. Anyway, I really wish you would. If you're playing the home game this week, don't go see cats. Cause there's a ton of good football games, but Taylor has gone with this thing and he's done the independent research on something mm-hmm. we've called the cats bump. True. The cats bump. It, it only affects schools within a 50 mile radius of an ongoing cats performance. Mm-hmm. And he's been tracking this all year thus far teams that fit that bill are eight and two. We're calling it the cats. Wow. Bump. This week, this week mm-hmm. he's saying, keep your eyes peeled for Northern Illinois, Kansas state, Florida state, and, and Northwestern. Northwestern against Wisconsin. Interesting. I'm not saying it happens, but if Northwestern should happen to beat Wisconsin, that cements the cats. We, we might seriously have something here yeah. with the cats bump. So just I'm commit that attention. to memory when you're watching this game. Uh, I would say that we've covered all of the important Pac-12 games, but in terms of late night Pac-12 sweet sweet West Coast action, Cal Washington State with an over under of 78 and a half. 178 and a half. Did you say all of the points? Yeah, there are going to be so many passing touchdowns. Last week, Cal's <laughs> overtime game against Colorado was something like 14 combined touchdown passes. Yeah. Over under of 438 yards for, for Connor Halliday here at home against over, Cal. Over, way yeah. over. I you almost got to set that. that at 500. Yeah, that's that feels about right. What's and then, the over under for passing attempts, like 72? It must be. Do you have any words to say about Florida, Tennessee, other than the fact that if Tennessee beats Florida, that it could spell the end for Will Muschamp, like, Monday. You know what? Lock of the week. Tennessee has not beaten Florida in forever. Yeah, it's been and a little Tennessee bit. Tennessee is gritty, Dan. This is a gritty team mm-hmm. that fought the hell out in, in that Georgia game. I mean, this is not a horrible team. I think they beat Florida. Are I you like, saying Tennessee is a Wes Welker type? Are they I gritty? would say, yeah. Scrappy? I think right. so. I like Tennessee. That's one of my two or three locks this week. Give me I, Tennessee. I think I like Tennessee as well. Minus two uh, and a half. Is that what it is? Two and a half? Two and a half, three, depending on where you look. Yeah. yeah I like Tennessee to cover that one. Yeah. They, they, they look at it as pretty even, but the game is in, in Knoxville. So yeah. they like the Vols. Um, all right. I, I think I like Tennessee. Maybe not as confidently as you do. So you have two locks or one lock at this point. I have, well, I have Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lock up uh, this one. Lock of the week. I'm going to lock up Ohio State big over Maryland. Okay. And I'm not sure what the point spread is yet. Right now, I'm seeing seven and a half, eight and a half, somewhere in that range. I understand it's contingent on C.J. Brown's status. I like Ohio State huge over Maryland. And you know what? I am also going to get ballsy here. Uh Uh-oh. God, are you going triple bear? I'm going to go triple bear this week. Try bear. Lock of the week. 
And I like Mississippi State at home against Texas A&M. I think they win that game. And um, they lose to someone else, clearly, in the SEC West because they're all going to beat each other. But I do like Mississippi State here because of the Bruce Feldman body blow theory and because I am buying ever so slightly in on Dak Prescott. I'm not going to go triple, but I'll go double barrel here because because of your very flimsy cowardice pick in the Stanford no, Notre don't Dame you game. Do it. Don't do I it. Locking up. Lock of the week. Stanford Cardinal, because I can rub your nose. Okay. I haven't been able to rub anybody's nose in a lot in anything really this season. Right. Stanford Cardinal. Give me the virtual noogie here on our Sunday show. That's what it is. That's what it is. But Ty, it seems like we would be discu- done discussing big games. Yes. But if, if that's what it seems, you are, are so new to the show. Give me that drum and fife. Hold on, Dan. We've got a sponsor here for the Patriot League Lightning Round tonight. What? LegalZoom.com. They're back. Are you planning your future at all, Dan? Uh, n- not nearly as much as I should be. If you're doing it right, you're planning your finances for the future. You get your insurance. If you want to get real peace of mind, though, you've got to make sure your family and finances are legally protected. Where do you turn for help? You go to LegalZoom.com. Over 13 years now, they've been helping Americans get personalized wills, powers of attorney, living trusts. Mm -hmm. They also help you file LLCs, S corporations, and all that fun stuff to protect you against personal liability. The company was started by some of the best legal minds in the country. They make it as painless as possible for you to get the legal protection you need. If you've got questions, you can always reach out to someone at LegalZoom. They will talk you through the process. They'll get you legal, help you through all the mumbo jumbo. You can talk to independent attorneys. You can get all the self-help services that you need at your direction, but they are not a law firm. For special savings, be sure to enter the code VERBAL in the referral box at checkout. Go to LegalZoom.com. Promo code is verbal. V-E-R-B-A-L. Do that today. Protect your business and take control of your family's future, Daniel. Yeah, I'd like that they're not a law firm, but they'll connect you with lawyers. I like that. But not as much as I love the Patriot League lightning round. I don't know what that voice was, but this one's a fun week. I just found out via Twitter, via Jane Coaston of SBNation.com, Harvard, Georgetown, sold out. Really? DC going crazy. They apparently do not have a professional football team. So Georgetown, right. the team, much in the way that Rutgers is the team of New York City, although that's a fraudulent claim because we all know the team of New York City is the Fordham Rams. Sure. Georgetown, Harvard, two and three. The Hoyas host Harvard, Harvard unbeaten. I'm going to go with the road team here. As much as we like to pick with the live Bulldog mascot and the Hoyas do possibly have one. I'm not entirely sure if they do. I'm going Harvard. They're rested. They've only played two games this season. They're ready to go. They have won on the road. Georgetown has lost at home. Let's go with the Crimson. Sold out. I feel like they're going to perform well in the hostile environs of the <laughs> the George the George Tojo the George Toe Dome. George the Town Dome. Do you say town Tokyo? Hall. It's Tokyo Dome, right? It is. It, no, the Tokyo Dome is is dark this week. No, okay. Because of the mess with the Bucknell game last week. No more Patriot League games in the Tokyo Dome. They have the Patriot League has rubbed the, the Tokyo Dome organizers the wrong way, but I like it's the George the Town Hall. Georgetown Town Hall is hosting Harvard. I think Harvard runs away with this. Who do you like in this game? I got to go Harvard. They're well rested. 
Yeah. By the way, smartest people on earth going to Harvard, and they've only mm-hmm. played two football games. It's going to be wise. like October 4th. Yeah. Uh, they have also beat, beaten Rice and Syracuse. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Holy Cross, <laughs> venturing away from the Cross Dome, the friendly confines of the Cross Dome, going to Colgate. Yeah. Two and two, undefeated Colgate in yeah. the Pat League. And of course, Holy Cross still searching out their first victory in America's most gallant conference. Yeah. Who do you like in this game? Give me the Crossaders on the road. You're going with the Crossaders? I'm going with the Gators. I'm going with the Colgate Gators. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to go the home team. Holy Cross, they're much like the New Orleans Saints. Perform well in the Dome, yeah. but you get you get them away from the Cross get Dome. They're just not performing. Yeah. Bucknell, yet to lose a game. The Bison. The bi- apparently, it's Bison for Bucknell, and it's Bison for the... Somebody emailed us and called the, the North Dakota Staters the, the Southern Canadians. The Bison, which, eh? I don't know if that's insulting to Canadians or yeah, people probably. from North Dakota, but I, in any case, yep. Bucknell appears, appears with with Fordham at the moment to be the class of the Pat League. They're going on the road where they've already won a couple of times to Bryant, yet to lose at home. But you might be saying to yourself, well, Bryant is, is certainly unbeatable. Wait, you said uh, like Antonio Bryant? Nope, it, it is a it is Bryant. And just if they don't even singular like Pele? They, it is singular. They don't even have a nickname. You just know of them. But Bryant did lose to Liberty, and it's tough. It is tough. We talk about these letdown look-ahead sandwiches. We talk about the body blow theory. It is tough to recover from losing on the road to a noun. Mm. And that's what they did against Liberty. A patriotic noun, as it were, as we listen to this drum and fife in the background. But I am going with Bucknell to, to take this game on the road. Huh. How All do right. you against Bucknell? Class I'm gonna go. Pack. I'm gonna go Bucknell. The Bison. The Bison. Bison. Headline game as it relates to the to my life because we have past and present matching up against each other. The, the game is happening in New York. Yep. Uh, it is. It is the Fordham Rams. The class alongside with the Bucknell Bison of the Pat League hosting Lafayette. Of course, I am a legacy leopard. Everybody knows this. Everybody hey, respects this. Did you say legacy leopard? I, I am a legacy leopard, Ty. Yes, I love it. We already played the, the leopard sound. Didn't I don't we? have I don't show? have that at the ready. No. You don't have it at the ready. It's okay no. because everybody already fears the leopards. They they did not Okay. Let's let's be honest. They looked good last week against Wagner, but Wagner's a goddamn joke. Yeah. They didn't look good against Bob and Bill and Mary. Um, it's been an up and down season. Bobby Moe did not stand a chance against Lafayette, but I feel like this might be the time I have to pick against Lafayette. Yeah. Why do you say that? I live I live in the town of Fordham. I'm going Fordham here. What do you think? I'm gonna go Lafayette, Dan. I'm a I'm Wow, a you're Le- going local. I'm a Lehigh Valley boy. Can I ask you something? Bred and raised. Lehigh okay, Valley. so we disagree. I'm siding with Fordham. I'm siding with Richard Rubenstein. Wow, that's a smart move. Yeah. Just in life, that's a smart move. But here's my question to you. Yeah. Are we done talking about Fordham, Ty? Mm. Are we done? Is that all we're going to mention of the Fordham Rams? It's funny you should ask, Dan. I, I generally like to ask funny questions. We've got a special guest on the line with us right now. What? We've got a special guest on the line with us right now. It's a longer show. Week Mm -hmm. six is going to be absolutely bonkers crazy. Triple mega show. So let's just top this show off with a nice little cherry on top. Joining us now on the phone lines, the world knows him 
as the affable host of ESPN's very popular Around the Horn, mm-hmm. fewer still know him as our boy Buffalo Chicken. We are pleased to welcome for the first time to the Solid Verbal, Mr. Tony Reale. Sir, how are you? Doing well. Solid work, Solid Verbal. I got to tell you, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling opening up the Twitter box and being called something other than stat boy for the for the last week straight, which was good. You know, that was good. It was a good change of pace, and I appreciated that. So, Buffalo Chicken, certainly. I was a little disappointed because when I threw it back on international TV, there really wasn't much much play going back. You know, I wasn't sure enough of the listeners were, uh, were catching on to what I was doing, but it was good. This represents the most successful secret verbal, as we call it here on the show. It's the most successful secret verbal clearly that we've ever had. What was the thought process when you opened up the Twitter box and saw, I don't know how many came through. It seemed like there were a number number of them. Sure. You know, I've been called a lot of things and this one was kind of complimentary. I mean, Buffalo chicken and a division one water polo uh, goalie is, is that's something to be proud of right there. I had a nickname when I was playing rugby at Fordham and that was Bambi. And that wasn't nearly as nice because I ran away from all the hits on the field and uh, kind of shot away from any action. So any other nickname that uh, that came out of my Fordham days was a good thing. So I, I was happy to have that. Now, you say this is this is one that you've had, but you've had others. And, and maybe just clue me in. What, what are some of the other nicknames or some of the other uh, jokes you put at the end of the show to get people... Oh my gosh! We, so we've we've done everything from accusing Will Leach, formerly of Deadspin, of eating orca meat, okay. to um, so my, so we had we had Tony Barnhart from uh, CBS. We had people ask him because they had heard that he was a roadie for Fleetwood Mac in the seventies. If he had groupie stories or just that's some, some great. Sort of that's crazy seventies. You see, these are fun. You guys are going to a good place with this. So that's great. Yeah, we had uh, we had listeners ask Bruce Feldman of now Fox, uh, you know, when they were in town in L.A., if he would want to go boogie boarding with them. Yep. And to be asked by a lot of people out of nowhere to go boogie boarding, I, it's got to be really strange. Yeah, I know, but I, I think it sounds like a fun time. I mean, my Wikipedia page had me as being half Jewish, which is I'd be fine with that. I have to be all <laughs> Catholic, but I mean, and also I had a levitating cat for the better part of three years. And that never got, you know, resolved on Wikipedia until recently. So, I mean, those are kind of funny, but coming up with a, with a better backstory like the, the roadie for Fleetwood Mac, that's great. Perfect. Uh, so it is a college football show, and obviously you cover every sport on your show and shows. Um, Fordham Rams actually having a really nice year, but you, you grew up in New York, uh, mm-hmm. decidedly not a college football town. No, at least not in, at all. In, in the tra- thing. In the traditional sense, um, so what? Is, what is your history as a, a college football viewer, fan, experiencer? I, I took Notre Dame by the teaspoon. That's what was offered me, and that's what I took. Uh, my local uh, NBC network for mm-hmm. my childhood, and of course, as games became, you know, you could watch a game, you know, every every time slot for a Saturday now and a Thursday night. So, right. but it primarily was was that. I mean, I'm a Fordham family, so I did go to Fordham games in my youth, and that was a program that was not as strong when I was growing up. Right now, they're a team that's you know consistently ranked in the top twenty in their division, which is good, and they they're going to run through the Patriot League again this year. So that, that's that's not bad. They just beat Holy Cross last week and put up a big number. So offensively, they're doing real good right now. Um, I've been watching it from 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 afar and, and just taking it all conferences. I can't say I had a team growing up. Never right. had a college football jersey that I wore or 
or hat that I wore because it just wasn't part of, you know, my region. Well, now you've got Rutgers in New York City. It's the official team <laughs> sure, of New yeah, York tell, City. You tell people they're there in New York City, and then you see what type of reaction you get in New York City. <laughs> I don't know. I think I must have been 16 by the time I figured out Rutgers was not spelled and pronounced Rutgers. <laughs> G-A-S. Uh, my brother's a Rutgers man. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, they've had a good team. The Shiano years were very good to them. Um, but they're, <laughs> they're not New York's team. And don't let anybody tell you that. Okay. All right, so you've you've been in New York, you've been in DC, you're you're in studio. Have you have you traveled? Have you gone to an SEC game, a Big Ten game? Have you gone out west? Have you tailgated at a at a big place? Have you experienced no to all the questions you just asked there? I spent really? some time, and this is a way to work in what what's going to be the best week. You had me on week six. This is great. Uh, I spent some time in Mississippi, but never went to either an Ole Miss game or. Uh, Mississippi State game, and they're both playing the two biggest games they've had in years this weekend. And I think that's you know where the college viewers should start this weekend. I mean that's that's something we haven't seen Ole Miss ranked in the top ten at the end of the season in probably a ballpark in 1969. And and Mississippi State's going back even further than that. I mean that's that's over 70 years, 70 years or so for Mississippi State. And this is two teams here. I don't know if they're as good as their ranking is right now, but they can certainly prove it this week. So you've never been to games, but you, you obviously are interested in the in the Mississippi games this week. What what to you intrigues you, player, coach, storyline, conference over the course of the season? Where is it? Is it SEC, SEC West? Oh, of course, is, it's SEC West. I mean, that, that's what everybody's seeing. I mean, they're just seeing how I mean, ESPN puts out their power rankings every week, and it's the entire SEC West. I mean, that, that's that's where all attention is. Sure. Um, I'm always you know interested to see. What's going to happen? Who's going to who's going to challenge Oregon, and whether Oregon's going to be able to get past Stanford in the end of the in the pack, and, and how that's working? And then Notre Dame has the has the game this week against Stanford, and that's going to be their first real test of the season. But I mean, it always comes down to the SEC West. I, I have a cousin who uh, is a professor at Oklahoma, and she's a big Sooner fan, and um, she's trying to tell me that they are the best team in the country this year. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I, until I see it there. But I don't believe Florida State is anywhere near as good as they were last year either. So they'll go through the SEC West. They're overrated, and they're still not rated, you know, <laughs> as high as they really should be. That, yeah. That's that's the, just the, the the facts right there. One of the other things we do on the show while we've got you, Tony, we don't always just talk college football. Sometimes we do a little life advice. We're a, we're a year-round show, and so we got okay. a lot of downtime between, like, the middle part of January and the end of August. So one of the topics that came up here frequently in the offseason was what is the go to romantic cookbook? If you're hosting a date over at your place, we've talked about this time and time again. We've gotten suggestions from our listeners out there. If you're cooking for someone at your place, what oh, is the go to dish for me? I mean, you're talking to an Italian American man here, guys. So All get right. specific. Lobster, lobster fra diablo is my my go to meal. OK, this is something that I can make on any night if you give me 30 minutes and, and just I can eat some lobster, of course. But uh, you start with a nice linguine, or if you want to get really exotic, a bucatini, mm, which okay. is a, uh, it's a pasta that is, that is uh, let's say it's a hollow spaghetti, let's call it like that. And um, you need a little bit of brandy, and then you need a nice, make a nice tomato sauce with that, and then you have to have red pepper flakes for the fra diablo. I mean, from the devil, it's going to have some spice. So why this works in a date is because it's spicy and it's hot and it's got lobster in it, which is gold. So sure. uh, give, me a, give me a chance to make some lobster fra diablo. I think that's something that every, uh, every guy should have in their back pocket because it's not 
just grilling up a steak. It, it has some uh, something about Italian food just turns up the romantic notch. So, so I think that's important. We're talking about sauce from scratch. I want to make that clear. Yes. Well, I mean, you can cheat. You can do that. I mean, if you've got if you've got not a lot of time or you don't really feel confident in, in having the right tomato, San Marzano tomatoes, and, uh, and and knowing what you're doing there, you don't need to worry about that. My mom made sauce over three days. At wow. some point. Two days at some point. So the idea that you're going to do that for a day is insane. So you don't have to. Right. But, um, I mean, you have some tomato paste and, and roll with it from there. All right. And I'm going to fast forward a little bit because we do deal with relationship questions beyond just food, which is really like if you have the food thing down, there shouldn't be any questions. But we did get an email that we, we went back and forth with. There was some disagreements. It was it involved moving in a, a couple moving in. Obviously, you're a happily married man. Congratulations on, on the birth of your, your, your recent <laughs> I child. I don't know. You ask my wife if I should be congratulated on that. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Congratulations to your wife. Um, <laughs> So at the beginning of a uh, an engagement, we, we got a question. Somebody moved in with their new fiancé, and the fiancé was used to sleeping on the bed with a large dog, a relatively large dog, which caused a bit of a, an argument. And the gentleman was wondering if he should say something, whether he should not say something and continue to lose sleep, perhaps sleep oh, in another is. room to send a message, or just buy a bigger bed to avoid the argument altogether. No, I mean, there's no sleeping in another room and sending a message. This all has to be verbalized and communicated. I mean, I, I really think you're asking the wrong person here for relationship <laughs> advice, especially with the uh, new engagement, as I was somebody who got engaged in between the men's and women's bathroom of LaGuardia Airport. Wait, walk, <laughs> walk me through this. Walk me through the engagement. <laughs> what do we got, an hour here? Um, uh, give, just give me the highlight. I'll give you the highlights. I'm getting engaged to my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and I'm going to do it in the city. This is while we were living in D.C. And sure. and during our trip up in the bag that had the shoe, the shoe that had the box, the box that had the <laughs> ring inside of it was misplaced by the hotel. Oh, they told no. me it was in a safe. They said, Mr. Reality, don't worry. It's in a safe. They gave me a ticket and everything. I show up. I give them the ticket. They open up the safe in front of me, and the safe is empty. And immediately I get sick to my stomach. And then they say, no, we moved it up to the backup safe. And they say, backup safe? The safe itself is supposed to be the height of security here. Oh. So they open up the backup safe and they come back empty-handed. At this moment, I'm ready to throw up all over the place. I go outside to get some air. Mr. Reality, would you like like something to drink? No, no, I just need some air. I'm getting ready to tell Sammy. And the porter comes running out and says, we located the bag. It's at LaGuardia Airport. Because two <laughs> couples had just checked out in the the bag was mistakenly given to one of the couples, and at curbside check-in, they realized they had an extra bag. We take the town car with the manager out to LaGuardia. They're making small talk. I'm just in the back rocking, 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 you know, <laughs> trying not to throw up all over my shoes. We get to LaGuardia Airport, and uh, I, I, I see the bag and the gentleman with the bag, and I totally bowl over the guy, ignore him. Go to the bag, see the bag, rip open the bag, see the shoe, rip open the shoe, see inside the shoe, the box, rip open the box, get down on my knee and propose in between the men's and women's bathroom at LaGuardia Airport. That's very romantic, Tony. It's a beautiful thing. I would say it's, it's the most romantic place on earth, yes. That little, that little, there was a guy buffing the floor who looked up at that moment and said, he had to say something like, you thought this was romantic? You know, it was, it was so... To make this incomprehensibly long story short, sure. 
I don't give uh, any relationship advice or engagement advice anymore after that. All right. That's, Fair that enough. seems reasonable. Fair enough. Well, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. And before we let you go, we figured we'd give you the opportunity to come up with a secret verbal of your own because you took it like a, a, oh, really? a, a great sport. This is great. You have the power. Yeah, you've got a lot of power here now. You can pick the target. You can pick the random topics. Uh, we can work with you. Oh, I love how you refer to it as a target. Uh, I have to do it. And she has to be somebody who is going to respond in a way that is, you know, uh, the way you want. He's going to play the sure. game. He's going to be. So that would be my friend Pablo S. Torrey. Okay. Of ESPN. Up around the horn of ESPN the magazine. And uh, I think for Pablo, I, <laughs> I, well, Pablo went to Harvard. And okay. um, I think we can, we can create an alternate reality. This is a sad story, okay? Pablo Torrey was caught by Mark Zuckerberg. Lady and the Tramping, a burrito <laughs> with Zuckerberg's girlfriend. Wow. And when he saw that, he pulled Tori out of his Facebook stock. So I think what we say to Pablo on his Twitter feed is, tough break, Luke's losing your Facebook stock when Zuckerberg caught you, Lady and the Tramping, a burrito with his girlfriend. I could not have even, in a thousand years, could not have gone down that kind of wormhole. That's... That's pretty. In- that's insanely great. But don't today. forget the lady in the tramping part because that's no, the that's, burrito that's the one her. side to the other. You got to meet in the middle there, and it's Zuckerberg's girlfriend that he was doing it to. This is a real. I mean, a tragic story because he would have been he would have been a billionaire at this point. But Pablo Astori, what's the story? The story is lady in the tramping, a burrito with Zuckerberg's girlfriend caught by Zuckerberg, Facebook. Holds the stock. Wow. Torrey. Okay. So people have options here. There's a lot of info there. His Twitter handle is at Pablo Torre. That's P A B L O T O R R E. P A B L O T O R R E. Pablo Torre. You heard what the man said. Head on out to the Twitters. Do not make reference to Mr. Reality. Do not make reference to the solid verbal. It has to be very clean. No hashtags, no handles. Just you tweeting at Pablo Torre about the lady in the, lady in the tramping. Of the burrito that was it was going on with Mr. Zuckerberg's girlfriend, and that was the end of his stock. Cost him a billion dollars. Could have been a billionaire. Could have been a billionaire, Pablo. You let it all get away in the pursuit (laughs) of a burrito. All right. Well, this is fun, Mr. Reality. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for being a good sport about the buffalo chicken. And uh, we'll have to keep in touch regarding our latest secret verbal target. All right, Dan, that was fun. Wow. That was, I would say, even beyond Fox Sports 1 fun. What a way to close out our week six show. We've gotten engagement stories, plural, on this show. Mm -hmm. Cooking tips, plural, on this show now. I've been proven right over and over and over again when it comes to the dog fiance quandary. The the dog fiance thing is I I was misrepresented, but over and over have I been correct. It's almost embarrassing. I'm wearing a robe right now. Yeah. Of correct, correct answers. Yep. No, you're doing well. (laughs) Thank you. It It is quilted with a bunch of answers. By the way, the robe has quilts containing everything other than your locks so far this season. I don't care about that. All I care about is being right with life advice, Ty. <laughs> you should know this by now. Um, Tony Reale is fantastic. So yeah, that was fun. Can we, can we please repeat this week's secret verbal? Just to be absolutely sure everybody understands. Pablo Torre. 
Yeah. P-A-B-L-O-T-O-R-R-E on Twitter. I believe formerly of SI, now of ESPN. The secret verbal is that he was caught Lady in the Tramping, a burrito with Mark Zuckerberg's girlfriend, and in doing as so- As a fallout, yeah. As a fallout, he essentially gave away billions because Zuckerberg pulled his stock. So we should, various ways of asking Pablo if he has any regrets- if, you know, if he if he even has a Facebook account or if that's too painful. Yeah. Um, what was in the burrito? What you know, it's just it's heartbreaking. Ty is what it is. It's heartbreaking. Guy lost out on billions. There you have it. I'm so sad for Pablo. Big thanks to Tony Reale, our special guest. And for, of course for being a good sport. That was Proud a lot of fun. Fordham Ram. Absolutely. Well, week six, we've got. A ton of fun in front of us. I'm so excited to watch these games this week. Mm-hmm. Do hit us up on the reverb line. If you are watching the games, if you've got something on your mind, it's always open. It rings a couple times, but hang with it. 408 verbal one. That's 408-837-2251. Do hit us up on Twitter at solid verbal. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash solid verbal, where you can post your tailgating photos. If you're at mm-hmm. any of these big games. And of course, our email address is still solid verbal at gmail.com my only other point before we let the fine people go is to let your friends know about the show we've done really really well so far this season we want to try and spread the word with as many people as we can yeah if you see if you see us tweet out a show link retweet it or tweet something else that'd be fantastic we would be eternally grateful if you see the post on facebook go ahead and click that share button We'll feel good about it. For that guy over there in beautiful New York City, his name is Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildenbrandt here in good old Eastern PA. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Enjoy an incredible week six. Stay solid. Peace.